Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I uh, am really looking forward to um, being able to share with you all um, this passage. Uh, it's a it's a really interesting passage, and I just want to clarify something that Eric said. I'm not so sure that the pendulum swinging is where he wanted to get is just as much as he wanted to leave some buffer in case he needed to fix anything that I screw up. I, I wonder if that's what he's doing. <laughs> just teasing. For those of you who don't know, uh, uh, Eric and Bree are very special uh, to our family and their children as well. Uh, we are very close. And so uh, it is with uh, great joy myself that I am here this morning. Uh, to be able to be here with you all and to see the work that God is doing here in Menonk. Amen. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, several years ago to be sitting in my office looking to the north on 251 and praying that God would bring uh, a gospel community to Menonk. And if we needed to play a part in that as a church and to be here today, it's pretty special. So uh, if I get a little choked up with that. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm also not sorry. Uh, I don't know about you all, but uh, have you all had a day or a moment in your life that you will never forget? Just stop and think about that for a minute. What, you know, you know the things that come to your mind. Uh, we think about, in this country, we think about 9-11. We think about the overrunning of the Capitol building. We think about presidents that have been shot. In our personal lives, we think about the telephone call, the doctor's visit. We think about where we were when the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> I was missing half of the last game because I was in an airplane that supposedly had Wi-Fi, but their Wi-Fi was broken. And I got to the hotel and the delay from the satellite was so much that I was trying to participate with my family over Zoom or FaceTime while they were watching it. And I had to mute them and look away because they would know two minutes before I did what happened. So I'd have to wait and then I would look over and be like this or be like, oh. and so, but I will never forget where I was. It, it's a marker for me, for some of you, might be the doctor says it's cancerous. He's left me. This person has done a horrible thing to someone that I love and I'll never forget listening to the conversation. Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 go together. Um, the scholars tell us they are um, they are the the re, the uh, results of David's relationship with God and David's choices that he would never forget, even though he tried to forget them, he tried to stuff them down, he tried to um, to hide them, but God brought to light David's sin. And so as you have talked about the joy of uh, repentance, we are going to talk about the joy in forgiveness. And so I'd, I'd like to just share a moment in my time that I will never forget of my life. 
where I was when this moment happened. And uh, I have permission from these people to share this story, but I am gonna change their names. And if some of you know them, that's fine. They are not, they are not hiding from this, but um, I was at a gathering with some people that were really close to me. And uh, the kids were playing, people were laughing, people were playing games. And uh, somebody that was there motioned for me to come over to them. And they whispered and said, I thought you ought to know this, that your friend, we're going to call him David, because that just kind of works for this. David has left his wife, two children, and his wife is pregnant. And he's left them for a friend of their family. And I didn't want you to find that out from somebody else because I know that you have a good relationship with David. David has been like a little brother to me. His brother-in-law is one of my best friends was in Sarah and I's wedding. Um, I have been in hospital rooms with uh, his sister um, who's had immense medical challenges, has had amputations um, as a mother um, and prayed with her and her family and the doctors and it was David that I rode to Chicago in the hospital with for that. Uh, he's very kind to me as I adjusted to life as an outsider moving into El Paso because we had history uh, and made me feel welcomed in there. In those kind of hard conversations that sometimes guys don't know how to talk. <laughs> so they find another guy to just kind of say what they're thinking and you understand each other. That was David. So uh, I found myself going to a police department at 11 o'clock at night, because that's where he worked, and walking in and saying, I need to talk to you. And uh, he, of course, wanted to know what was up. And I said, this is what I've heard. And I want you to look me in the eye and tell me if this is true. And very calmly, he said, it's all true. And it was almost like I was talking to someone that I didn't know. It was like talking to a stranger. And it was something that had been going on for a long time. His life had begun with a life of heavy drinking and pornography, and then had moved into this affair. And then he had been caught. So it wasn't just uh, a, a one little thing that happened to have happened. As time went on, I continued to pray for David. I met with him. David's pastor uh, is a friend of mine. We would call each other and encourage one another. We would meet together with David. And I found myself one awkward day at a subway, sitting across from the table and explaining to David that as much as I love him like a brother, that I love God more and that his wife has decided to remain faithful to him and to Jesus Christ and gospel community. And therefore I will do whatever I can to help her, her two children and the baby that she was carrying in her womb. And that I would have nothing to do with him unless it was to talk about 
that he needs to repent and get right with God. I had, was done talking about that he needed to have his marriage restored. He needed to be right with God. And whatever happened after that, um, God will do what God always can do, whatever that looks like. And I remember feeling really weird because I kind of wanted to tackle him and beat him up. And like, what are you thinking? And I, cause I didn't recognize this guy. Um, of course that would have been a bad move because he was in full gear working as a police officer. That would not have been a good idea. And that's also not the way that Jesus wants us to approach life. But I remember walking through that moment, he awkwardly said, thank you. And he turned and left. Not the reaction. I probably would have had it if the roles were switched, but I continued to pray. And we all continued to pray and things continued to get worse. And uh, I didn't hear from David for months. And I'll come back to when the next time I heard from David, but I continued to stay in contact with David's wife uh, to be in prayer for her, his pastor, to pray for him and their congregation. I prayed over his baby boy in the hospital because I saw his child before he did because he wasn't allowed to be in the room when his son was born. And I remember having faith that I know that I have been forgiven so much by Jesus. Jesus can work through this, but it was really hard to see. As we think about David in the Bible, and we think about his many indiscretions um, that led to Psalm 51, as well as Psalm 32, I just, I wanna highlight some things that you talked about last week really quickly, and then look at Psalms 32, and look at how David in the Bible, how he as well turned into this person that uh, was unrecognizable from what we typically know him to be, and the joy that entered his life as, a forg as forgiveness came in. So if, if you have your Bible um, or on your tablet or phone in Psalm 51, I'm just going to read through a couple verses really quickly. They're, they're not um, the entire chapter, but I, I just want to highlight some, some things that he wrote here in this repentance. Completely wash away, verse 2 says, away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from sins and blot out all my guilt. God create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast presence, spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. So David, uh, as, you, as you talked about last week, he's repenting. This is, he has been caught and the prophet has been sent to call David out that God knows what you've done. 
Um, and David's reaction is to immediately admit his sin, to repent. But there's a couple interesting things that David really wanted from this. And one is David had watched Saul, who God had given, put his spirit on, had watched God's spirit leave Saul. And he saw how destructive Saul came. So the one terrifying thing that we see here clearly is, please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. I, I don't want to turn into that person because his, his, he was realizing what he was doing. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. When we repent, there is joy in repentance, but it is not completed until we realize the joy that comes with forgiveness. And that's where verse 13 comes in. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. So in the, uh, the tradition of the psalm, there are some psalms called um, masculine. And what it, that means is they are an instructive psalm. They could be a song that everybody would come together and sing that taught a lesson. It could be a very complicated poem that you continually kind of meditated on and chewed on, and it, but it was all instructive. And so Psalm 51, scholars believe, is David's repentance from his sin with Bathsheba and all that went along with that. Psalm 32 is the instruction that from verse 13, David says, this is my part, God. You, I, this is what I ask of you in repentance, that you don't take your Holy Spirit from me, that you, that you give me that joy back, and I am going to teach the rebellious your ways. So who is David? He is the king of God's chosen people. So imagine a king who um, has been so powerful that um, he has orchestrated um, an affair, a cover-up. Um, you know, he, he's gotten out of battle himself to be able to sit in his throne, and nobody has questioned him. He is the most powerful person there. But he is the king is going to come to God's chosen people who he's been set over, and he is going to Talk about the joy that he has in being forgiven of being in an adulterous relationship. Eventually losing that child. Orchestrating the murder of a faithful soldier who did nothing wrong and his inaction of doing what he should be doing as a leader of God's chosen people. He is going to come down with all the people and they are together going to talk about the joy of forgiveness, looking at his wicked sin. Now, I don't know about you all, but if you just stop for a minute and you put that in our present day, if you had someone that did all those things, people are not going to want to sit with that person and talk about the joy of forgiveness. They're like that person needs to go to prison. The, that person is criminal. They shouldn't have you know, they shouldn't have access to all that. But this is who our God is. He desires to be in a relationship with us. And part of that relationship is in repentance, but the joy that comes from that in the forgiveness that only God can give us to restore that relationship. So look with me in verse, um, you know, kind of the big idea here is that the joy and forget, there's joy and forgiveness, and there is faithful love that comes from those that trust the Lord. So verse one and two of Psalm 32, how joyful 
is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. So there's about a half a dozen words that could just you could use for sin in the that you pull out of the Bible. David uses three here. And so just real quickly in verse one and two, I'd like to show you um, what those ones are and what they kind of mean. The first is there is joy in the person whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression is simply rebellion against God. David was rebellious against God. That was his transgression. Then he says, whose sin is covered. What is sin? This is kind of like if you can picture Eric Johnson, all right, in a deer stand, all right, and he's got dead to rights a deer there. I am not a hunter, so I don't even know if I'm doing this right. And he um, pulls the bow back, let's go, and he misses the mark. I mean, it goes into a tree off to the side, and it's just a typical Eric shot. It misses the mark, okay? That's what, that's what this idea of sin is. We miss God's mark. The mark that God has for us with this, and we miss that. So David's talking about when, when he's rebellious, when, you know, just sin that we all do. We all miss God's mark. We're human beings. We are, we are, we are faulty. And then the last one, there is iniquity. And we see that in verse 2. The Lord does not charge, um, who's joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity. So the iniquity, that literally means perverse actions, crookedness. It's, in, it's intentionally, it's all of the actions that you can stack, stack up of what the person has done. So for David, let's look at those. David didn't go to battle. David looked upon someone else, lusted after someone else's wife. David had an adulterous relationship with that person's wife. David tried to cover it up and took somebody out of battle who was a leader and made other troops at more harm's way by taking this valuable person to cover his sin, to have him hopefully sleep with his wife, to make it look like it was their child, but the person wouldn't do that. And then David orchestrated Uriah's murder. Okay, those are the iniquities of David. This is what he is having them talk about. This is why there's such joy that he has been forgiven these horrible atrocities, but he is willing to be transparent to the people that he's leaving. This is what I've done, but there is joy in that. And so I just want us to keep in mind that, that this is really important. The, the words that are used here are really important that each one of those, and I'd like to come back at the end and talk about whose spirit is no deceit. But as we look at verse three and four, as we continue on, um, is that when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer heat. That's a pretty intense description of what it's like to have God's hand pressing on your life trying to chase after you to get you to turn back to him. And I just, I think about the very specific words he used, when I kept silent. God is a relational God. He desires for us 
to be in communication with him at all time. David was a man after God's own heart. David used to love to meditate on the law. David used to write songs about God's glory. He used to pray all hours of the day. He loved God. He loved being in communication with the Lord. And when he sinned, he became silent. And it's when in that silence that not only did the perverse actions continue to pile up, but he said his bones became brittle from his groaning all day long. And we're talking about a valiant warrior. We're talking about someone who understands they, they have slain a giant, okay? They have slain tens of thousands of people. They know what it's like to be powerful. They know what it is like to feel strong. And so we, we need to think about how intense this battle is. And David's probably been silent for a year. For a year, he's continued to internalize and he's been this different person. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. I don't know about you all, but I don't know if it's because I'm overweight, asthmatic, or both, but the summer heat in August around here at sometimes can absolutely drain everything out of you. And if you're not careful, don't stay hydrated and cool down, it can be a very dangerous thing. The same thing is, is true in the desert. If you don't, uh, if you're not careful, that heat will drain all of your strength from you. And that's what this battle felt like inside of David. This is God's chasing after David. And remember, he is, he, this is an instruction. He wants to instruct the people. This is what we're, this is what it was like for me. And then I love verse five. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. Okay. So God, I admit it, I've been missing the mark. You think, David? <laughs> uh, I'm not doing what you want me to do. And then he follows it up with, and did not conceal my iniquity. In his repentance, David was repenting for all of the things that he had done. He wasn't given a global kind of patty cake. Ah, yeah, you know, I've messed up and you know, here's the mistakes that I've made uh, generically. You know, they weren't, I mean, I was, she's really pretty. It was no justification. I was like, I've done this. I've done this. God, I have done this. And remember why this is important is he's instructing God's people that there's joy and forgiveness. And if you are rebellious, this is how you turn to the Lord. To turn to the Lord, you need to, um, you need to not, not hide your iniquities, but confess them. And then um, he follows up, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, his rebelliousness, and he forgave the guilt of my sin. David says, I was rebellious against you, Lord. And God forgave David for missing the mark. And I just think it's such a, it's such an amazing thing that sometimes in our humanness, we try to portray God as a God that is waiting to punch us in the face when we do something wrong. And here is a man who God intentionally made Jesus come from this man's lineage, called him a man after his own heart. 
But what we forget is that David is as human as every single person in this room. And the same God that had that same sweet relationship with an adulterer, a murderer, a person that put his country at harm by his own selfishness, is the same God who loves us, desires to have a relationship with us, and whatever it is that in your mind you fill in the blank, that it is that are your transgressions, your iniquities. And so David is modeling this instruction for the rebellious to turn and, and to have joy in the forgiveness that God gives. And he says in verse six, therefore, all right, so because of all this that we just talked about, therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. Everyone who is faithful, we look at our, a lot of times, we tend to look at our performance as the measure of our faithfulness. Just like David was faithful in his communion with God, his relationship with God. That is what faithfulness. Faithfulness is I'm always constantly, I'm continuing to talk to God. I'm crying out to God when I do miss the mark. God, I have sinned against you. God, I have done this and this. Will you please forgive me? And continuing to move on and continuing to walk in fellowship with God. When David sinned and he was silent in his sin, he was walking by himself for a year. He wasn't sweetly communing with God and continuing to walk with God until he was um, confronted in his sin. And so, therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. So if these people that he's with, like if you're rebellious, like immediately, um, uh, this, this is what you need to do. And then he uses this uh, beautiful imagery of when great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. David knew that what he deserved was abandonment from God. David knew that he deserved to be punished by death. David knew that he had, God had every right to replace him on the throne. But what mattered to David was that shepherd boy that was out in a field with nothing to give the world that anybody thought except communing with God and keeping care of some flock. That's still the same guy that's here that realizes that all of those things that could have happened, that God has forgiven him. So God is protecting him from the floodwaters coming. They won't reach him. And that God is his hiding place. And that God will protect him from trouble. And I just love that. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. We need to start living life as believers of being afraid of our past iniquities and holding on to the guilt of sins that we've done in the past and feeling that those are the things that we need to ruminate on and live off of. Instead, when we have truly repented of that, 
we need to hold on to. It is you, God, that are my hiding place. You have delivered me. You protect me from trouble. You surround me. And you surround me with shouts of, hey, for me, Luke, I have delivered you. I have forgiven you. That's what we need to be reminded. That is our testimony. Our testimony is in our forgiveness. And that should bring joy to our lives. We all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of God's glory. That's a no-brainer. But here David is giving us an instruction. He's giving instruction to people. This is how that you turn back to God. So verse 8, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. So verse 8 and 9 are God talking to David. And I think any time that God's talking, we probably ought to stop and pay really close attention to this. All right? So, but what does this tell you about the instruction that David is giving the rebellious people? He is in communication with God. He's just told you what he did. Now he's telling you what God is speaking to him in return. There is, there is a back and forth here. And God says, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Those of us that are believers have the Holy Spirit that resides in us. The great counselor. The great comforter. And when we are faithful to God in our communication, our prayer, and we're listening to him, God has promised us that not only will he tell us the way to go, but he is, he's, he's interacting with us. He's a part of our life. He sees what's going on there. He will give counsel. And then he, he kind of reminds David of verse 3 and 4 and verse 9 when he says, Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with a bit and bridle, or else it will not come near you. In other words, all this heavy pressing that God had to do to get a hold of David. Don't be like that. Don't be like an animal that has to have blinders on and reins to steer where it needs to go. Let's be in a relationship and let's be faithful in this. And I will tell you where to go. Like that is the way to, to live. And so in this teaching Psalm that David is having with um, the people, the children of Israel. He is continuing to be clear with the instruction. Now he's saying what God told him. All right, let's pick it up in verse 10. Many pains come to the wicked. I've had to do this, unfortunately. I don't know if anybody else has ever had to visit a loved one in prison. There is nothing more sobering than being in the visitation hall of a prison and to see little kids separated from their parents, from choices that their parents have made and to see the pains on everyone in that room's face. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. David 
is someone who is upright in heart. This adulterous, murderous human being like the rest of us, upright in heart, righteous with those terms, being people that have set their lives aside for God. For those of us today, it would be those of us that have put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we desire to walk with him. What he reminds us of is that wickedness and not walking in relationship with God and people that aren't set aside for that, they have many pains. Think of the pain that David must have been dealing with that year of silence, of realizing all the things that he had done, and then to be confronted by it and to have to try to process that. But he's instructing, remember, He's instructing the rebellious on how to turn to the Lord. Many pains come, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Faith requires trust. And for those of us as believers, when we do trust in Christ, we are literally transferring all of our trust into what Jesus did on our behalf. There is nothing we bring to it except acceptance and asking for the free gift of eternal life because of what Jesus did. That is trust. So David is saying, the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. And I don't know about you all, but that phrasing, just like, is so awesome to think about. God's love surrounding me. And it's not just God's love, but God's love is described as faithful. And God's description or God's faithfulness is true faithfulness. Your and I's faithfulness, we will, we will fail at faithfulness. It's not such a great example, like, well, look at my faithfulness. This when you look at God's faithfulness, it is perfect. And his faithful love surrounds us. So because of that, he's finishing this with, when we have missed the mark, when we have been rebellious against God and we've repented, then what there is is there's joy in this. And that's why he's in this. So, so be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy. My wife right now is probably worried that I'm going to give you an example of shouting because I'm a loud person. I won't do that to you. But just imagine that this is the same guy who disrobed himself and danced in the streets when they were victorious with the victory that God gave them. So imagine how he is taking a horrible, sinful action and asking God for repentance, and God has granted it to him. And so what his life needs to be like and what our life needs to be like when we have sinned and fallen short and we realize that God has forgiven us is to shout for joy. Like, hey, I've got something to tell you about. But I think often, I think often we deal with guilt and we don't always trust God. And we think about our faithfulness and we try to Put that on God, that that's how God is faithful like we are. But God's love is, God's faithfulness is perfect. It is consistent. And it's not that it gives permissiveness to sin, but rather the unbelievable grace 
that God extends to us that Jesus Christ took on the missed marks of all. Past, present, future. That sin word that missed the mark, that Eric Johnson in the tree trying to shoot a deer, Jesus took the wrath from God of all that. And here's the thing I want you to catch with that. Jesus never missed the mark. He who knew no sin became sin for us. We ought to be walking around this world as believers, shouting from the rooftop of what we have been forgiven of. And the relationship we have with God and God's faithfulness, because it's in God that we find our trust. It's in God that we find our reward. It should not be in the pretty things that I've acquired in life or the quality of my life because I have trust in Jesus. That is false. It is all about God getting the glory for his perfect son giving up his life in our place so that we could become his children. And Jesus's righteousness is what the father sees for those that have accepted it, not my imperfections. But if I am rebellious, I am in that situation I need to repent, as you talked about last week, but there is joy in knowing forgiveness. And when David teaches this, what he tells them is that they should do it immediately. Because remember how he started off by saying, when I became silent, I decided I'm going to try to figure this out. Well, if you're interested in that story that I started off with to fast forward, my friend David, four or five months after the conversation that I had had with him about that I was praying for his repentance, but that I would no longer be a part of his life in any other way other than that. Um, I received a text message I will close with the text message at the end because it came out of the blue. But here's what was going on behind the scenes when I got this text message. He realized, because he had believed this lie, that he had been silent for so long that he was committed to his sin and that God could never forgive him. And he met with his pastor and he said, I know what I need to do. And together they worked on a letter and he went and knocked on his wife's door. And as she held their little baby in her arms, he read off his iniquities. I have done this. I have done this. I have done that. I have done this. And I know you can probably never forgive me but please forgive me. I'm sorry. And the thing I love the most is 
And it's so true to the faithfulness that his wife had been to Jesus through this entire process. She looked at him and she said, walk home. Walk home. You see, Jesus had been working in her life. It's not just about us in life. And sometimes we put ourselves in the corner. We think the world revolves around us. God is at work at all times for his glory. And he works in all of our lives. And his wife had gotten clear words from the Holy Spirit that if he ever came back and asked her forgiveness, she should accept his forgiveness and let him back in. And they were one month from a final divorce at this date. And she was, they, they shared their testimony with their church. And she said that often people say, you're nuts for taking him back. Dude, you just like that, that doesn't make any sense at all. And she said, how can I not when I know what I have been forgiven of? He deserves the pit of hell. I deserve the pit of hell. And sweetly as they're sharing this testimony, she pointed at her pastor and said, and you deserve the pit of hell. Because it's true. All of us deserve God's punishment. But for us, as we look at David's talking about the joy of forgiveness, what is also on us is that we also must imitate our father. And we must forgive others because if we want to spread joy in this world, we will share of what we have been forgiven of and we will extend forgiveness to others instead of robbing them of that joy and celebrating with them the joy that we all have because the only person that has a right to say that they don't deserve that is Jesus. But Jesus said, not my will but thy will be done. So wherever you are today and you think, well, I would never do that to my family. And uh, yeah, we all make mistakes. And, uh, you know, I can't really think of any horrible thing like that. Those are some pretty extreme examples, Luke. I'd, I'd like to just read um, a chapter in the Bible I love because it kind of speaks for itself. Um, as we as we start to close our time here. In 1 John 1 said, what was from the beginning what we heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, Jesus. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we have testified and we declare, declare to you eternal life that we have that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness... We are lying and are not practicing 
the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, those missed mark. And here's the part that I just want you to think about. If you're sitting here and if you have something that's really big in your life that you think that nobody knows about, but you think you're too committed to the sin that you can never come back, there is never a point that we can get to that God will not forgive you. But if, if you say that's not me and this is a little absurd for me, I want you to really think about the words from the Apostle John here. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous. I said I was going to come back to it. Psalm 32, verse 2, the last part of the joyful, how joyful is the person? And in whose spirit is no deceit. The counsel that God gives us, the Holy Spirit, David never wanted to lose that, he said in Psalm 51. He wanted to know when he was missing the mark with his iniquities. But he talked about, bless the one who's not deceived. And the Apostle John says, we have no sin. We are, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. In verse 10, if we, from 1 John 1, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So if we want to live a life that is full of joy, we need to understand that God offers complete forgiveness of all of our sin. And joy comes in forgiveness. And those that trust in the Lord are surrounded by his faithful love. And we need to let the world know that we have been forgiven so much. David was so convinced of this that he was willing to use his own life, his own indiscretions, his iniquities to be transparent with all the people so that they could turn to the Lord. I don't know if you all have thought if we stopped hiding our imperfections from others and we started sharing what God has forgiven us of and the joy that that brings in our life, that we might encourage other people to turn to Christ because there's no alcohol out there. There's no relationship out there. There's no job out there. And there's nothing that will take away from the misery of the many pains of the wicked. The only thing is the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. Will you pray with me? God, I want to thank you for this time together with my brothers and sisters. And as I read these words, I just saw you drive by. I'm coming home. I'm breaking the chains of sin. And I'm going to work to make this work. My pastor here talked to my wife. And afterwards of reading the letter and everything that I have done, she said, welcome home. 
Jesus, may we all trust you enough to come to you with our iniquities, that we would be in right fellowship with you, knowing that you're a good God who says, welcome home.